0: Good afternoon and welcome to WCCS Wheaton College Radio. I'm Adam Bass. The race is on as more than 10 candidates are vying to become the Democratic nominee in Massachusetts 4th Congressional District. This district was originally held by Representative Joe Kennedy III, but after declaring his run for Senate against incumbent Ed Markey, the 4th District is now open for a new representative. And today, I'm very pleased to announce that WCCS is fortunate to have one of these candidates to talk to today. Joining me in a very special interview is Mr. Benjamin Siegel. Uh, ben, thank you for having, thank you for coming on to WCCS. Oh, thank you so much,
1: Adam. It's great to be here.
0: Well, first of all, let me ask, how are you doing? That's the most important thing to ask right now.
1: Oh, thanks, and I appreciate that. Look, as a, a father of four young kids, we have four young kids running around the house, <laughs> and I opportunity to be with them. But you know, you have other obstacles. Uh, My wife works as well. And so the obstacles of balancing teaching your kids at at home, uh, doing work, running a campaign and being a good father and husband, there's a lot on everyone's plate right now.
0: I can definitely tell you that this is a very stressful time, but very productive time for all of us. So to begin this interview, I want to ask you about uh, who you are. Uh, And compared to other candidates in the race, you have not held a federal role in in government so what exactly inspired you to run for office was there any incentive or goal that you had in mind and this is the first time you ever run for any for any state or federal office
1: no thanks adam for the question so yes this is the first time i've ever run for office look like so many other people i was so sick and tired and continue to be today of the divisions in this country i'm tired about being divided by race being divided by geography, by age, by income, um, by abilities and by loves. Uh, And I thought, you know what? We need someone who's going to actually unite us. We need a leader to unite us. I also thought, I'm really sick and tired of watching the complete widening of the inequality gap that we're seeing that has been exposed and exacerbated under COVID-19. And in order to uh, tackle that, I looked around and I saw, I don't think there were any leaders talking about, let's strengthen community, that we're all together and we're stronger as one community. And I wanted to jump in there and say, let's, we can do this together. We're all connected. And the biggest, the foundation to all of that is access to opportunities. It's what we all want. Whether you are in the wealthiest part of the district or you are a low income community, we want access to uh, quality, high quality, affordable health care access to high-quality, affordable education, access to clean air and clean water. access to affordable housing and transportation. These are things that are connecting all of us. Finally, I thought that in order to have a leader um, that could help bridge our community, you needed a leader who understood and had worked on advancing diversity, equity, inclusion. A leader who could stand in the shoes of the majority of the district. I grew up in Braintree, in a suburb so similar to most of the 34 cities and towns. I grew up in a middle class, hardworking family. My dad oversaw public housing authorities in Taunton and Fall River. I would be the first Latino ever elected to Congress from Massachusetts. These perspectives, these understanding, it's something that's really important because I think it connects me to the majority of the district.
0: And to go off of that, um, one of the things that you speak about in your platform is bridging the gap between different, different divides of social, equal, of social income, of economic income, and of different races, people, and, and different races, people, and stories. How would you get the people of Massachusetts' fourth district to come together, have a discussion about what needs to be changed? What would you do to take initiative as, as a congressman?
1: Oh, thanks, Adam. I think it's a great question. I actually think I've already shown that. I am the first candidate, and I still think the only candidate who's visited all 34 cities and towns. I did that within my first three and a half weeks of entering into this race. No one had already done that. And I think that shows my leadership that we need everyone around the table we need everyone to help us move forward. And actually I visited Whedon as as part of that visit. It was the human library um, project that was going on. And it actually was the day that I think the college was locked down because I think there was a student, if I remember, holding an ax uh, because he wanted to cut up his, uh, actually, I think it was his furniture. And we <laughs> called Um, Because they were scared, of course, someone was holding an axe. And um, I got put down in lockdown. But look, it's all about us coming. I've shown that leadership. In addition, I've done this in the past. I created the Young Jewish Leaders Council. It was the first time in the entire country that in a city, all the young adult Jewish organizations came around one table. And that was over 40 of them. I would take that same approach to today, that we would have a table that would be extremely diverse, made up of individuals from all different 34 cities and towns, different ages, different races, those from all the colleges and universities. Because what that does is it gets people to network and connect. We need people to trust and understand each other. We also need to work on best practices and learn best practices, and you can only do that when you're together. And we need to continue to educate ourselves and build our skills. And so I would create that same kind of advisory council if I were to be elected to Congress.
0: Very interesting. So you mentioned visiting all 34 cities and towns of of the 4th District, and I applaud you for that. That is something that I think most candidates should do wherever they're running, no matter how big or small, Their offices. However, there is a global pandemic going on. So, my next question is: The American political system is currently experiencing a new page, a new age of what is called front porch campaigning, uh, never seen since the McKinley presidential campaign in eighteen ninety six. So, how are you navigating this pandemic as as a congressman or as a candidate trying to campaign? And what sort of strategies are you using in order to campaign? in an era where you can't go out and talk to people anymore.
1: No, it's well look, one of the things we're doing is coming on shows like this and being interviewed like this. So thank you for that. But really what we did is, like almost all the other campaigns, we've transitioned to a full digital campaign. We do about that. And we have said, we wanna be here to inform, to educate and to support and protect the community. So how have we been doing that? We have just today did our 22nd Facebook Live session with a different expert to help the community in terms of being educated on key issues and supporting and protecting the community. We've done some of those uh, Facebook sessions were on really important topics. Today was about the challenges of the LGBTQ plus community and how we support that community. We did a similar one on the Asian American community. We've seen the extreme rise of hatred and bigotry against the Asian-American community and a lot of our other most vulnerable communities. We've had several experts talk about mental health challenges. Yes, we all talk about social distancing, but social isolation is really important, especially with our elderly population. We had different experts in the field talk about what we need to know about COVID-19. We had um, one of our rabbis uh, of a synagogue in the district talk about what is it like to run a religious institution during COVID-19. We had someone talk about how to use your voice digitally and impact and harness your voice in digital formats. So we've been on a lot of different topics that have been uh very important for us to understand and learn and honestly i think how i've been acting now through this covid 19 pandemic is how i'm going to act as your congressman someone who's going to lead someone's going to inform someone who's going to listen and someone who's going to unite us because our entire theme of our campaign is we the fourth we are all in this together it is even more important today under covid 19 that we're, we're doing that so let's Take for example, we are seeing structural disparities and structural inequities most of our low income and in communities of color. We were talking about that already, and here we are in COVID, needing to do more about that. So I've had a keen focus on those communities: frontline workers, Latinos, those in the Black community, those in the Asian American community, low income and uh, immigrants, undocumented immigrants. We all know now, Adam. I think you've seen that. That when even one person does not have health care coverage, it puts them in danger and everyone else in danger. So I was one of the only candidates talking about passing comprehensive and compassionate immigration reform. And we're seeing why that's so important today that uh, undocumented immigrants aren't getting unemployment uh, assistance right now, they're not getting health care insurance. Latinos in the state make up 12%, but 24% are being infected by COVID-19. And they're the majority of the essential workers that are out there. So I'm really focused on how to lift up all voices, and I think our leadership is doing that. We were the first candidate to put together a COVID-19 resource page on our website that's translated into Spanish and Portuguese for the community. So I think we are leading by example, and that's what I'll do when I'm elected to Congress.
0: I think that's a very, I think that's a very admirable thing to do, uh, Ben, right? It, it, it really shows that you are willing to put in, take on the position of a leader, especially in these dire times. And I wanted to ask you as someone who, who you are a father uh, to the children of Massachusetts 4th district, they're probably very unsure about what's going on right now. I would assume a lot of them are scared. I would be scared if I was a young, if I was a younger age, um, What is a message you would say to the children of this district who are scared, don't know what's going on, and what you will do to help comfort them or say, look, we're going to get through this? Is there any message that you have?
1: No, I think that's so important. You're right. I have four young kids. I have a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 5-year-old. You know, and what we tell them is you have to have open communication. Right, this is a time where there's a lot of families that have never spent this much time together as they have before. And I think it's a time that we actually as parents show our kids as much love, empathy and caring as we ever could. And let their kids know that they're not here, they're not alone and that we're here for them. I think it's a great opportunity for our kids to learn about different issues and different topics than they've ever researched or studied before. Picking up a book in a different era that they've ever seen. Seen a documentary that maybe they would never have been able to see. I think it's also a great time for them to build really long-lasting friendships with their friends. I know we're all on Zoom way, way too much, But I actually think things like Zoom and FaceTime uh, and Google Hangout for our kids to get to know their friends without seeing them in person is really important. I also think this is a great opportunity to be there for your grandparents if you do have them, right? We know my parents are on the older end and they're lonely. They're actually, they're depressed. And so my kids being able to call and connect with them is huge. Finally, this is a great opportunity Uh, with our kids to show them that we're part of a bigger community and having them help you help your neighbors, reaching out to your neighbors that are old or disabled or need help getting groceries. This is a huge opportunity for your kids to be a part of it. Finally, for all of us, and we we actually did a Facebook Live session with my five-year-old on this. She taught us all about mindfulness. We have to take time and our kids need to too to take a deep breath. And to just think about ourselves and to try to support ourselves. So, you know, for all the kids that are listening, and for kids, I mean, those elementary school and younger, is take a breath and think about what you want and your needs. And talk about that with your parents. They're there for you or or those taking care of you. Um, We love you and we hear you and we only want the best for you
0: very very powerful words ben uh massachusetts is currently one of the best states in terms of education i think we pride ourselves on it uh we are home to some of the best colleges in the country however as many students are facing a student debt crisis that's been building up to a higher level COVID 19 has pretty much supercharged that crisis and i think a lot of the candidates have missed an opportunity to talk about that So I want you to go into detail about how you're going to handle the student debt crisis, because a lot of my friends at Wheaton don't have the money in order to pay back for school, especially for uh, programs such as study abroad. So how would you deal with the student debt crisis that is continually growing within our community?
1: I think it's a good question, but I want to point two places. First, I want to hit the beginning of what you said, which is we're one of the best states for education. We are, but we also have one of the biggest gaps between those that have and have not. And I wanna tackle that for one second before we get into student debt, Go if that's ahead. Okay. okay. So, so look at: we have right now 20% of the students in the Commonwealth are Latino, and only 3% of the teachers are. We, more Latino and black students, are not going to college in higher numbers than ever before because it's not affordable, it's not accessible. You know, we have more young people from vulnerable uh, communities going to jail earlier on because we don't have the kind of community engagement that we need. So we need a plan from the beginning and I am the one candidate that's talked about an educational plan from the beginning and I'm gonna take us through that because student debt is a big part of that. First of all, we need universal preschool right from the beginning because we all that the earlier you read and write, the more likely you are to be successful and go to college and also be able to have a living wage for your family. When it comes to kindergarten through on the end of high school, we need to put far more resources into our teachers, into our schools. But we also need to have the right leaders in cultural competency that's helping uh, to make sure that the students that come from low income and vulnerable communities have leaders and role models that look like them, that understand them, that help can get them through to the next stage. And then we also need to teach from an early age about that hatred, bigotry, prejudice, and stereotypes can turn into hate and a lot worse. We need to combat hatred, bigotry, and anti-Semitism from an early age. And that has to be part of our curriculum. So now let's talk about uh, colleges. Look, we, they need to be affordable and accessible. What, what do we need to do? I still have significant student debt. All right, I graduated over 20 years ago, and I still am holding the debt. So one of the first things we need to do is make sure when students do have debt, that the um, percentage that they're, being, that they're loaning out on is capped. Right now, students are, are taking out loans from 6 to as high as 12%. But banks... They're only loaning to each other at 1.2, 1.5%. Students should be able to get those same rates as the banks do to each other. So we need a cap, that's number one. For, low, um, for those students from low incomes, uh, four-year colleges need to be free. Mm-hmm. If you are in the middle income, then it needs to be substantially subsidized. And if you are from a wealthy family and can afford going to a four-year college, then I think you should pay. But across the board on that, if you take out any loans to pay for college, we need to make sure you're capped at a percentage, a very, very low percentage. It could be one, two, three percent. I'm still working on what's the right number, but a very low percentage over a longer period of time so that you don't have the burden of um, finding the, a job. Because what we're seeing now, and I'm sure you see with your friends, people are graduating, and they can't afford rent, they can't afford food, because they have so much student debt. So we need to make sure that that's not happening, and we need to cap that. Um, You know, the other piece to all of this is also just making sure that we are putting money into our community colleges, and we're putting money into our vocational and technical schools, right? People shouldn't, college isn't for everyone, but we know they have a better chance to be successful. But people can go to two-year community colleges, and they shouldn't also be burdened by the debt. So I think we need to do the same thing, that if you're under a certain income from your family, it's going to be free. And, more and training to get 21st century jobs when come out. The last piece to all of this, and it's connected to education, is with adult education. So just because you're young and you graduate, we have the issues we just talked about. But later down the road, if you need to change industries and transition into an industry because you got fired or you just want or you need to, we need to be there for you as a government. And so that kind of education needs to be free. We're gonna try to transition a lot of workers from the fossil fuel industry into a clean energy industry. And in order to do that, we need to give the skills and the training. And we need to support that. And we need to make that skills and training free using vocational and technical schools as the
0: places to get that education. That's incredible. Again, thank you for the very clear and substantive answer, Ben, very, very helpful for that. To go off of, um the clean energy crisis that we're also facing, a lot of voters, I think, are a little apprehensive about transitioning to uh, a a Green New Deal, if you will. Um, People like to do it in broad terms and broad strokes, and people really don't know what to expect. So what would you tell people of Massachusetts 4th District what to expect from a Green New Deal, if you will, uh that the that the country will now embrace and how can you as a citizen embrace it as a whole i think it's great look i'm very much in favor of
1: of the green new deal right it's not just about fighting the existential threat that we have in our community which is the climate crisis Right, but it's about lifting up everyone at the same time around it. You can't have a one-size-fits-all solution to solving the climate crisis. You need a comprehensive plan, right? So we need to move away from fossil fuels. We need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Get to net-zero gas emissions in within the next 10 years. We need to reinvest in renewable energies, uh, solar and wind and geo. We need to do all of these things. We need to incentivize and promote uh, clean, energy-efficient vehicles, construction, and appliances. We need to put those all together. We need to reestablish our global leadership on this issue and at a minimum re-enter the Paris Accords. But we also need to tie this to transportation. We need really smart transportation and housing communities. We need transit-oriented communities around our hubs of transportation with clean, energy-efficient vehicles that are affordable and that are taking people from their places of home to their places of business in a really fast way. So that's high speed rail, right? That's bus lanes that will allow us to do that. But we also have to create smart transportation. What do I mean by that? We need to create biking and hiking and walking pathways that unite our communities. Because you don't need to get in the car to go 10 minutes away. You can, if we had the bike pass and walking pass, we could cut down on a lot of what we're doing with vehicles. The other two pieces, though, to this is, you know, we talked about one a minute ago, is we have to create a clean energy economy. And in order to do that, we need to transition people from the fossil fuel industry working in those industries into the clean energy economy. And we can't do that second, we got to do that right away at the same time to give them the skills and training to move into. Um, finally, and it's a big big piece to this is we have to combat environmental racism and injustice we are putting our biggest hazardous facilities in the low income communities you know those who are from low income vulnerable communities have their no clean water no clean air or it's far dirtier than those living in other communities and if we're going to move forward Uh, as a community, we have to lift up everyone because we're only as strong as the most vulnerable. And that's why things like universal healthcare play a role. That's why things like universal preschool play a role. That's why coming up with affordable housing plans that are not just for the low income, but also for the middle class is really important. It's about our whole community moving forward in order to combat the climate crisis that's gonna cost us a lot more if we don't do anything about it.
0: There you, get, then it, there you go once again this is part of your we the fourth uh slogan you know it's right. everyone coming together i can definitely see that and if and if i may uh plug my town in for a minute here needham has a wonderful forest to hike in and a wonderful bike path for us to get around so this could be a great place to look at if you're ever interested in going to hiking there i know you were at cedar point the other day so
1: yeah no no you're so right so yesterday we um we were actually at the charles uh, river peninsula which is uh, also in Needham. And last week for my wife's birthday, we actually hiked in the Needham Forest. So I love those places. I think you're absolutely right. We need to get out there and people can use this time. Practice social distance, but go take your kids on a hike that they've never been to. Let them see how wonderful and how actually very nature-like the Commonwealth is even right outside of Boston.
0: There you go. There's always an adventure in your backyard. A couple more questions because we are running out of time. Uh, One thing that your campaign, that you highlight, and personally I and many others can relate to, is that of your faith, of Judaism. Um, I applaud that you are proud of your heritage, uh, of not only being Jewish, but also the son of a Latin Latin parent. So does your heritage play an important role in your path to win Massachusetts 4th? And will it play a part as you govern? Uh, It's a great question. Look,
1: that's who I am. And I am proud to be Jewish. I'm proud to be Latino. I'm proud to have been born and raised in the Boston area. These are all things that help me um, be who I am and, and also understand those perspectives. The last 20 years, I've worked to strengthen the Jewish community, both here, nationally, and globally. It's a big part of a lot of the skills that I've learned. Look, if you're Jewish, we know that just you know, 70 plus years ago, the gates were closed to our ancestors to come into this country and be safe during the Holocaust. We are a nation of immigrants. And both the Latino um, part of my family and the Jewish part were all immigrants that came, to, um, came either to Puerto Rico and then to this country or directly to this country. We need to be a country that accepts those that are trying to get away from more dangerous places, but who adds so much to our culture and to our economy. It's morally and ethically the right thing to do, but it's also financially the right thing to do for this, for this state. I've also used um, the time I've spent, especially in the Jewish community, in order to create partnerships um, with lots of other groups, and I've done that in the Latino population as well. I'm the president of the Hispanic National Bar Association. We've created over 23 partnerships in my two years with other Latino and non-Latino groups. Because again, when there's hate against one group, it's hate against all communities. When only one group becomes stronger, then we're still as vulnerable as the weakest in our society. So using those and strengthening those organizations while building relationships and partnerships has been something at the core of who I am and what I've done, and it's what I would take forward. Look, I've also been the victim of hatred and bigotry for being Latino, and I've been the victim of anti-Semitism for being Jewish. In fact, three days before I announced my campaign, I was walking out of a synagogue in Brookline when a man ran up to me, called me a kike, told me my grandmother should have never survived the Holocaust and that I and everyone else in the synagogue should be processed. I'm not the only one hearing this, but this is in Brookline today. We need to stand up um, to bigotry and hatred together. I've learned that uh, as a big part of my faith and a big part of my community. It's also for me in the Jewish part been a spiritual side for me. It's how I have this other side and connect. I love going to synagogue and I love the community that's part of it. Um, In fact, you and I talked about this before. For the last seven years, I've been on the board of Gann Academy, a pluralistic Jewish high school that you attended. A wonderful, wonderful place. I'm someone that believes we need to give back to our community. It is why I have sat on over a dozen boards and, and committees of nonprofit organizations. It's why I think another reason why I am the right candidate right now. Because in order to solve the biggest issues of the day that you and I have spoken about, you need to have the nonprofit sector, the government sector, and the private sector all working together. And you need a leader who understands how all three work and can bring them all together to do that. I am that person and I'm that leader.
0: Ben Siegel thank you for your time for coming on to WCCS. It's been an honor to have you on here and we hope to hear from you soon. Thank you so much, Adam. And I'd love to come back.
1: I really, you know, applaud you for putting the show together for keeping things going. I think the students, this is so important. They should be a big part of this race, right? It shouldn't just be that you're older and that's who's voting. So all those that are listening, if you would like to be a part of our campaign, we would love to have you as an intern this summer or at any other time. Go to SiegelforCongress.com uh, or find us on all our social media channels at Ben Siegel for Congress on Facebook or at Ben Siegel on Twitter and on Instagram. And I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing more of you and answering any more questions in the future.
0: Thank you very much, Ben. It was an honor to have you on the show. And thank you all for listening to WCCS. I'm Adam Bass. Good
1: evening.